0: Listener supported. WNYC Studios. I'm Amy Walter, host of Politics with Amy Walter from The Takeaway. And this is How to Vote in America, a podcast from WNYC Studios. Today's question, what's the deal with delegates? This episode, I have a sidekick, Josh Putnam. Hey, Josh, can you hear me? I can. Think of Josh as our delegate wizard.
1: Okay. I've been called worse. Uh, Roger Stone, for instance, called me putz uh, last uh, cycle, so that was always fun. He's also political scientist based out of Wilmington, North Carolina, and I run the election site Frontloading HQ and the consulting firm FHQ Strategies.
0: All right, so delegates delegates to the national convention, they pick the presidential nominee. When you participate in a primary as a voter, whether it's by caucusing or casting a ballot in a voting booth, you're not actually voting for the candidate directly. You're helping to select pledge delegates, people who will choose the party's nominee during the national convention. For Democrats this year, there are a total of 3,979 pledge delegates throughout the entire country.
1: So the reason we ended up with 3,979 delegates is based on a formula that the Democratic Party has in place at the national level that apportions delegates to the states. I mean, that formula is based on, one, uh, how big the state is population-wise. So the bigger the state, the more delegates it's going to have. The other part of that puzzle is basically kind of party loyalty or electorate loyalty to the Democratic Party. So the the more democratic a state has voted in the past, the more delegates it's going to get out of it. Two similarly sized states like Idaho and Rhode Island. Both are similar in terms of their population, but Rhode Island is a much more democratic state and has more delegates at stake than in Idaho.
0: And a candidate needs a majority of that 3,979 delegate number to win the nomination. That works out to 1,991. All right, so the primaries begin and candidates try to win those delegates. So stick with me. There are a few kinds of delegates a candidate can win. There are statewide, also known as at-large delegates, that represent, well, the entire state. There are also district delegates representing congressional districts or state Senate districts. So how do we know how many delegates go to each candidate? Each party has its own system. For the Republicans, it's a hybrid system of winner-take-all and proportional. Democrats, meanwhile, award all their delegates proportionally. And today, that's the piece we're going to explain because... That is where all the action is in 2020. For Democrats, a candidate needs at least 15 percent of the vote in order to qualify for pledged delegates. If a candidate is below that number, well, they're out of luck. And it's been that way for all the states since the 1992 election cycle.
1: Basically, it was a way for them to... Uh, winnow the field, more or less, if the field hasn't winnowed, requiring candidates to win 15 percent both statewide and at the congressional district level in order to qualify for delegates.
0: To understand how this actually works, let's take a real-life 2020 example. What if we head to Nevada? In the Silver State this year, there were 11 candidates when the state held its caucuses, but only three qualified for delegates.
1: Bernie Sanders obviously won handily in the state, followed by Joe Biden, and Pete Buttigieg lagged behind. Both Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden cleared the 15% threshold statewide to qualify for any at-large, or what we call PLEO delegates, but Pete Buttigieg missed out on those.
0: PLEO, by the way, stands for political leaders and elected officials. So, in Nevada, Sanders received 46.8% of the votes, Biden got 20.2%, But Buttigieg only got to 14.3%, not enough to clear the way for any at-large delegates. All right, got it. But what about the local congressional districts?
1: Sanders and and Biden cleared the hurdle of 15% in in all congressional districts, but Buttigieg did not. Um, He did in a, a, a couple of them to claim three delegates from the state.
0: Okay, got our delegates. Now we come to the math. 46.8% of votes were for Sanders, but how do you turn decimals into delegates? We round them. Yep, that's exactly what it sounds like.
1: Rounding is the rounding that we all learned in school as, as grade school kids, right? That, look, if you've got a, a decimal place that's greater than uh, uh, 0.5, you round up. If it's lower than that, you round down.
0: So with all the numbers taken into account, including the at-large delegates, along with the district delegates, Sanders finished in Nevada with 24 delegates, Biden 9, and Buttigieg 3. But what happens when a candidate who has already received pledged delegates drops out of the race? Where do the delegates go? Well, it depends on whether they're at-large or district delegates. If they're district delegates...
1: Those folks will be free agents, right? Able to to choose whomever they want to or to abstain from the vote if they choose at the National Convention.
0: But what about the at-large delegates? Where do they go? Well, they'll get allocated once the party decides who those at-large delegates will be. That happens during a state convention.
1: Those at-large and pleo delegates will automatically be reallocated when they're selected, uh, state conventions later in the process um, of of selection. So those slots are, are basically reapportioned to the other remaining viable candidates in the race.
0: Then, those pledged delegates go to the national convention, along with superdelegates. Who are superdelegates? They're high-ranking party leaders, including governors and members of Congress. But they aren't awarded to candidates based on primary or caucus results. They can vote for whichever candidate they want during the convention. And in 2016, their role caused a lot of consternation.
1: What was so controversial in 2016 was that before any votes had been cast, and indeed in October and November, or by those points in 2015, 300 to 400 superdelegates had already lined up and endorsed Clinton, essentially giving her a 3 to 400 delegate lead before any votes had been cast.
0: But in 2020, things look different. Yes, superdelegates still exist, but their voting process has changed. This year,
1: superdelegates were barred from the first ballot vote at the convention if uh, a candidate controlled fewer delegates than uh, uh, the number of superdelegates plus pledged delegates uh, or pledged delegate majority to that uh, uh, candidate. What? In other words, the superdelegates couldn't overturn, right? If they were unified as as 771 individuals plus a, a pledged uh, delegate minority, they couldn't overturn the, the the will of the voters, basically.
0: Okay, so... Superdelegates can now only vote during the second round, in case no candidate reaches that magic number, that 1,991 number, necessary to win at the convention. What happens at that convention? I'm so glad you asked. We'll have that whole story for you in a coming episode. Stay tuned for that. But first, congratulations. You made it through Delegate Math 101. So Josh, how did we do? I think this really
1: helped. Good, good. And that's coming from a delegate wizard. So there you go.
0: But let's remember, none of this is set in stone. Each election, the party has a chance to change the process. But as of right now, you know the whole thing. Lots more to come next week on how to vote in America. I'm Amy Walter. See you then.